We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And the Lakers season ended mercifully and prematurely, falling to the Phoenix Suns 113-100 to Game 6, losing the series 4-2. to And we can talk about the game if you guys like, but this is going to be a more of a group therapy session. I've been kind of at peace with this. Uh, this I've felt this has been going in this direction where we either needed to have overwhelming talent in the absence of the process that we missed as a function of all of the injuries that we suffered this year. We didn't get a chance to, ha- to have that, but we did have LeBron and AD. And if we were able to get our feet on the ground and push off and get some momentum, we would have been able to really go somewhere. But we never got our feet under us, really. LeBron and AD only played more than two games in a row once since Valentine's Day. And that was games one, two, and three. And that that was it. That was there was no chance to, you know, get our feet under us. On the other hand, I think that if all we learn from this season and all our response is, oh, well, we got hurt and you know, would have been great otherwise. I think that we will probably lose a lot of lessons along the way. So anyhow, it's it's been going this way for a bit. But Mike, how you feeling, man? Well, I'm going to try to be consistent, uh, Pete and Darius, in summing up how I've summed up most things this season. And it's starting with LeBron and AD. And that's what wasn't there, ultimately. And that's why the Lakers lost. And so mm-hmm. when the series flipped, of course, when AD... Uh, 
turned or pulled the groin in game four right, in the second half of that game. And from that point on, it, it became pretty academic. You know, I thought we did a, uh, you guys specifically did a great job of, of sort of zooming in and trying to find anything that could work on either end. And they did find a few of those answers uh, in game six, most notably LeBron playing at the center spot, uh, which would certainly unlock some things. But big picture and just looking at the whole thing, it was very, very simple what happened. Lakers were 21 and six when AD went down the first time. From that point on, they never got their full uh, rotation together uh, barely for more than a game or two. And that was the microcosm of what happened in the Sun Series. So it's a, it's, it's really like a, a neat bow to put on it. Uh, and I think you can't just you can't just call it the 2020-21 season. It really goes back to the previous season and the offseason. And I thought that Anthony Davis was the one that was most affected by that. Take out all of the COVID protocol stuff, right? Uh, which sure. which wasn't helpful, but they, this was almost a tax the Lakers paid for winning the previous season uh, in a way, or at least I think that's one way to look at it. Uh, Darius, maybe that's a little charitable. It it shouldn't ignore how good the Suns were and how they earned a, a lot of what happened. But again, it, you know, the Lakers were up two one, and I think in control of Game Four with AD when AD went down, and uh, here we are. Yeah, I think I would start. I know that this is the Laker Film Room podcast, and we'll talk Lakers for 99% of this pod. I do want to credit the Suns. The Suns are an excellent basketball team. Yeah. And they they took it to the Lakers when they saw their opening. And a lesser team may not have done that and may have given the Lakers a few more windows, right, or or cracks to seep through. Devin Booker came out in games five and six and basically exerted himself as a player that the Lakers did not have a lot of answers for within the construct of their current version. His performances, Kobe used to do this all the time, where we'd have the upper hand in a series, right? It's kind of this boxing match. And we made this analogy in the last pod where, you know, a guy gets rocked and you see the, the boxer, you know, he, he doesn't have his legs underneath him. And Kobe would come in, like we talk about game four against the Kings in 2001, where he had his famous 48 point and 16 rebound game. That's because we were up three to nothing. And so you, it was reminiscent in that he saw a wounded team and went in for the kill, right? And that that's something that I was watching him in that first quarter. I was like, Kobe would be loving this as a and you know, he had the be legendary shoes on. Booker in particular, man, he was unbelievable. And he's already on the path to, you know, right there as a superstar scorer in the league. Yeah. So and I think that that's a great point about Kobe. Also too, like Booker's fond of Kobe. I think they were drafted in the same draft slot if i'm not mistaken 13th mm, the 13th overall, mm-hmm. as you guys remember and mike you were there in kobe's farewell tour like he had an affinity for booker and booker i think in a lot of ways has modeled his game after kobe in the way that he is um really focused on the fundamentals and the work in terms of the type of score that that he is and isn't so analytics driven with only like three and rim shots right and 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 relying on the mid-range and can post up and and can be a physical guard so kudos to Devin Booker 
and kudos to the Phoenix Suns. They were and are a wonderful team. He's a wonderful player. They're well constructed. They're very well coached. And yeah. and Mike, I think in the post game, Frank Vogel said that this is more of like a Western Conference levels matchup than it was a first round matchup. And to circle back to some of the original points that both of you guys were were making this was a health factor but it does go deeper than that and 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 i'm with mike in that lebron and ad and and talent and and pete you made this point point as well that both of those guys together can can elevate you in a way that they can paper over some of the togetherness stuff and, and and some of the continuity stuff because because a dialed in superstar is already going to put you at a certain level two of those guys are going to elevate you up into the upper tiers of the league almost irrespective of what the rest of your roster construction looks like and the lakers were well positioned this year to make that sort of noise, even if the cake, Pete, to take one of your analogies, even yeah. if the cake was going to come out a little bit early, you still probably would have gotten a few good end pieces, right? That That's would right. have been quite <laughs> exactly. tasty. Might the- not have been the whole thing it could have been <laughs> had it had all the time it needed, but it would have still been something. That's exactly. So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm thinking about this season in the context of the Darius displeasure scale for me and just thinking like sort of what are my feelings at right now, you know, of yeah. covering this team. And, and there's, I think the harder element is the wasted opportunity, wasted talent thing. Like when, <laughs> when you've got something in life that has, that is great or that has a chance to win and it doesn't for any reason, there's disappointment. And there's a, there's the, the, what if it's not that you can't do the whole, you know what, tried your best. Uh, so that, so that's where some of it comes in, but it's also not, it's also so easily explainable and easily understandable from the health standpoint based on the context of last season. And I don't really know what else to do. This is, this is specifically to Anthony Davis, who we just, uh, just heard from him. He did a, Accident. He basically did an exit interview right after he did his usual post game thoughts, and he's got a specific off season plan where he takes a, a full month off to let his body recover. Then he does a six week strength training routine. Then he starts the basketball, and this is what he's done. And I know contrary, this is going to be sound contrary to what we've been hearing the last couple of weeks, but he has more or less stayed actually more than less stayed pretty healthy the last several years. Now, early in his career, he missed a lot of games, and he always misses some games, right, with a minor injury. But he had he had had a, a system that worked well enough where that he was healthy in the postseason, or when when he had gotten there, and we saw that in the bubble. And he was just off from day one this year, uh, from that standpoint. And he wasn't the he you know he was a big reason why they were twenty one and six, but he wasn't playing near to his best. He was going to play his way into that. LeBron carried them early. Shooter and Harrell, you know, some of those guys, Caruso as a holdover, Kuzma. And so all of that context for me for AD is part of the explainable thing. And that's where I end up sort of in a in the middle of the displeasure scale. So we're talking like, you know, got home, but pickup order is wrong. 
you know, and, and not, I don't know yes. if I'm quite to new shoes got scuffed. Definitely not microwave fish. Like I'm not to that point and definitely not flight delayed. Have to watch Laker playoff loss on phone, which was, yes. which was just next level Darius pissed off. So I, that's, that's how like I process this now on the DDS. Uh, and, and I'm curious how, uh, how it hit you guys. Mike, Mike, you're super into this, this, like the, like, describing exactly the level of irritation that Darius is at. This is fascinating. I need to, we'll get into, Lord knows we will have time this off season to get into such topics. Um, For me, so like with with AD, it it speaks to the level of difficulty that this season had on a, a personal level. This is something I've been thinking about recently is there's been an interesting shift toward more and more of a humanization of the players. And I think that that's something that from a media perspective, we have a responsibility to start trying to tell these stories more from the player's perspective. So first off, an NBA caliber athlete is a fine-tuned machine. Like their body is a fine-tuned machine when they're at the upper echelons of the game. And so, Mike, you always talk about how LeBron has a plan for Every day of the year. Actually, if you could give a little insight, Mike, like what are some of the things that you know of that you can share, right? Like that LeBron does to keep his body right for the next day that maybe fans that none of us ever really see. Yeah. I I, I mean, the answer is everything, right? So from from how he sleeps, what time, what he eats, uh, from how often the trainer um, comes to his house to uh, various different levels of of, uh, masseuses. Right, that work on his body, and this is this is by the way, I, no one knows. I don't know his specific routine, so I'm just gonna, I'm alluding to some of the things that For sure. uh, that, are, that he most likely is going through. But it's really just a what LeBron has has kind of figured out over the years is that he is never going to let his body um, get out of shape, right? And so so and to not do that, so he doesn't even. Some guys like to take kind of a um, a period of time off without doing anything. Michael Thompson, I always used to talk about this like the first month after, but for LeBron, and I think that there was an, a part of Jordan, a part of Kobe that was like this, the strength training comes, gets involved and not just the strength training, but the, uh, all of the type of stuff. If you ever watch the videos of him where he's like kneeling on a, a big, uh, a big ball and yeah. um, holding onto a rope, like all of those core interior muscle, all of those type things. Um, I think he, he never lets up on that stuff. And that's the, kind of the baseline for somebody like him. It, and if you, if anybody's doing the physical therapy for any type of an injury, those types of exercises that he just, that's just plugged into his day period. And so he might take a, he might not do, you know, the peak training or conditioning for a couple of weeks at a time in the off season, but he is on top of that sort of core. And that's to me, the, the real power behind LeBron James, like the freight train that he is, it's it's all center, you know. It's like that center of the body, and and then that's why it's unless Solomon Hill literally dives directly onto his leg, right. his body's absorbing almost anything that comes to it, and that's that's the center of the LeBron routine to me. And so LeBron is kind of the pinnacle of an NBA athlete taking care of their body and being able to maintain an elite level for a prolonged period of time. And there are elements like this that were greatly interrupted with how this season was scheduled. And that's something that the 
that combined, I think that leads to probably a, a greater number of injuries, a greater degree of severity when players do get injured. And that was a factor that we were always having to battle throughout this season. Indeed, there's a there's a mental component to this as well. Um, t- talk to me a little bit more about, about that, because that's what players have to go through as well. well. Well, I just think that the Lakers, and I think that this ties back in to the point that that Mike was making with with AD. And, and, and so the mental and the physical, they're always going to be related, right? And so Le- LeBron, as an example, he is always in maintenance mode and he's been on a deep playoff run recovery preparation deep playoff run recovery preparation right he went to the finals eight straight years and nine out of ten ten seasons so even in a compressed off season i think lebron out of all of the athletes in and the entire league was probably one of the best equipped in Great order point. to manage that process from a mental and a physical standpoint, because his preparation was probably accelerated beyond what he wanted it to be, but it was still within grasp of the range that he would have been comfortable with. Was it ideal? No, but I think that He's LeBron and everything that goes into making him LeBron, the mental and the physical preparation, I think that was there for him. When you look at a player like Anthony Davis, this was his first deep playoff run. He'd he'd only been to the playoffs three times before he got to the Lakers or twice, Mm -hmm. and he'd only been out of the first round once. And in that next series, I think he got swept, if I'm not mistaken. Bro, this was it goes beyond AD too. We look we're rightfully talking about a lot of this of LeBron and AD, but KCP looked gassed for significant parts of the season. And even in this playoff series, there were seven several points where I'm like, all of our dudes who were part of that run last year, like they're all playing terribly at the same time. Even even Alex, right? Alex was okay at points, but he wasn't as as good as he was last year. Caruso's body started to break down, right? Like Kuzma. He missed sudden, the second half of this game, Mike, with right. with, yes. with an ankle issue. And Kuz all of a sudden just could not find any offense whatsoever. And and I think part of that, it's this again, it's a buildup of mental physical. So Pete, it's a great point. It's not we and I I this is I'm most responsible for this, but we tend to sort of focus first on the on the two stars. But it it clearly filtered down to the rest of the roster. Um and and that's that's just inarguable. The last thing I was going to say about the mental piece of this is that when you've already done it, the Lakers just won the championship, right? The core guys did. And going on that journey informs you of how hard it actually is. Mm -hmm. And there is a... There is a stealing of the mind, right? Like, And I don't mean stealing like theft. I mean like the building up of and preparation for, right? There is a stealing of the mind that you have to understand what's ahead of you. And at certain points in this series against the Suns, particularly, a part of me wonders if some of the guys on the team, especially the guys who had been through that deep playoff run, weren't a little bit like, 
shit, man, we got to win 14 more of these right. in order to get to the point that we want to be at. Mm-hmm. And we just came off a long, compressed season of too many two games and three nights, too many back-to-backs, too many four and fives, right? And injuries and COVID protocols and everything else. And there is a taxing of the mind that I feel like as much of this long offseason is going to be dedicated to sort of physical recovery, right? Oh. The recovery that they did not get during a condensed offseason this, this past year. So much more of that to me, Mike, will be about like the mental refreshing that needs to happen for these guys in order to prepare their bodies, but from a mental perspective of what do I need to do to be focused and carry that forward through another long season? Because preparing for an 82 game season is nothing like preparing for a hundred game season, which is what so many of these guys that are on a championship contender team need to actually do during the off season. So let me pull you back to a couple of seasons ago uh, and so right before the AD trade, LeBron has the groin injury. The Lakers miss the playoffs, right? All the young guys get hurt, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, LeBron then watches every playoff game and is just hating it. it. Now, he's appreciating the basketball, but he's saying because all it is, it's about, okay, look, this guy, Kevin Durant is now ascended to being the best player in the league. And now, oh, you know what? Actually, it's Kawhi. And LeBron's just sitting there. And he's got, then there was some stuff about Bronny, like in the summer, it just, it all kept building. And then all of the young guys and LeBron's, so there was all that going on. Meanwhile, Anthony Davis has that awkward year in New Orleans where there's the trade rumors, right? He's then all of a sudden they're, they're limiting his minutes and then he's not playing. So these guys have that whole summer um, and they're, they're together though. And then they fill out the rest of the roster. They signed Danny Green, you know, and people are still not picking the Lakers. Um, I mean, I did. I can't remember if you guys did to win that year. And so that was the mental. They had all of the mental fuel going into that year. This year was was the complete opposite where they had almost none of it other than trying to defend it. And the moves that they made, um, which, again, I still think make total sense in the context of I think that Rob Palenka probably could have seen some of this coming in one another grind it was going to be on top of what they did. So they tried to add some new pieces and it may well have with everything that went wrong, it may well have still been enough, at least for them to make another run to the finals. Who knows what would happen? As you guys said, that was all going to build up, but now they're back into an actual full off season. LeBron already used a question about the USA team USA to talk about space jam. Like I, the strong implication is he's not trying to go to Japan um, right now amidst after everything that happened, he's trying to get his body right for next season. And, and, you know, AD kind of same thing. It sounds like, like they really, um, they really like their health is the most important thing for next year. And then adding talent and the roster and all that kind of stuff. Well, I'm sure we'll spend lots of time this summer, Pete, on what they can do from that standpoint. But for sure, that is, that is the thing now that they have, that they had two years ago. Um, and they didn't have this year. Yeah, that's something that LeBron talks about all the time is how every season presents its own challenges. And Kobe used to talk about this too, where, the circumstances of the championship run versus this season in some ways were total opposites. You remember the the player camp that they had in Vegas before the championship run? 
at that same period of time, everybody was trying to rest. They were coming. They were coming back from a ninety-plus day stay in a, in a bubble, which is, you know, that's that's a difficult environment in its own way, right? Where you're stuck in one place and you you can't get out, right? Especially, so, especially the guys that have kids, dude. Like that is right. brutal. That's Being what I'm away saying. For that's, a week is is too long. And, and this is going back to my like. Look, we made plenty of mistakes this season, and we're going to certainly get into a postmortem that's more specific about, uh, you know, this decision versus that decision. This isn't the pod for that. But what I'm trying to communicate is that this was a, a, a certain, there was a certain degree of this where we were running consecutive marathons. And for that to work, we had paths to making that work. And part of that is we had a lot of talent on this team, but we needed that talent to stay healthy. And in the absence of that talent staying healthy, both at the right time and throughout the course of the season, it it created an environment where like, it's why I've been making the cake and the ingredients for the cake analogy where you can have all of the best ingredients, but if you don't, like Darius, you're the cook amongst us, right? And you can get all of the best ingredients, but if, if there's several ways that it can go wrong between the acquisition of the great ingredients, and one of them is you don't have enough time. And yeah. that's what happened with this team. At least that's where I'm at. Let's take a quick break. When we'll come back, we'll keep talking. If you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all the other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you for just the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com backslash join. That's bwhustle.com backslash join. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. 
When you use your Credit Karma Money debit card, you can win daily instant karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your instant karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in instant karma to 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll be automatically entered to win $1 million. Credit Karma Money. Progress starts here. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com backslash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MBB Bank Incorporated, member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Mike, uh, Dennis Schroeder had some interesting comments in the postgame. What do you have to say? As I alluded to a little bit earlier, it, these, it turned into a bit like an exit interview um, where, you know, as opposed to just breaking down the specifics of game six, game six was sort of a microcosm of the season um, in a way, you know, like no cohesion, uh, key injuries, and then they kind of battle and run out of gas and, and, you know, the other team plays really well. And so Dennis started uh, with this, and this is a pair, this is paraphrasing, but. I'm going to work my ass off to come back here and give everything because we owe the fans more. I'm going to work my ass off this summer, come back and be me. I want to be here and win a championship. Now, obviously, uh, the shooter and the Lakers didn't come to an agreement. Uh, you know, we don't know what's going to happen in free agency with trade. Like, there's a lot of stuff that can still happen. But for him to come out and say that explicitly, um, I just found to be interesting. And he, that role, right, that guy that's in that spot of a – um, you know, a, a playmaker, a starter, all of the stuff behind that um, is significant. And I just thought that it was interesting that that was the first thing that he said. So, yeah. So let, let me kick that to you guys and see what you took out of it. I, I mean, Dennis's comments, you got to show it on the floor. I was, I'm glad we showed some pride in that second half. Me too. Remember in that, in the preview pod for this game. That was my biggest concern. And I was like, we have to get off to a quick start because that shit is going to snowball if we don't get off to a good start. And yeah, I, I disagreed with the starting lineup. I think that the level of mobility between AD as hurt as he is putting him next to Mark. I think, of course, you're going to give up a ton of points. Anyhow, we go, by, we go down by 29 and then we fight back and we get it to, I think, as close as 10. And Dennis was a part of that. And there were a couple of plays where he's diving and he's yep. getting into three-quarter denial in a ball denial position off of the ball, getting a deflection as a result of that. He's picking up full court. And I'm like, Where's yeah. this dude been? Yeah, Where's yeah, he yeah. been? Like, Where's he been? I, you know, I loved his game. You guys know how I talked about him earlier in this season. And – I've missed that, and I, w- I wish it was there for more. And if we can get that guy consistently, like, I'll advocate for him. But that guy wasn't here, especially on the defensive end, that level of tenacity for, for most of the series. So, I don't know, man. Like, it's – for me, Mike, it's words that hit kind of hollow. I think it can be a little bit of both things, right? Like, Dennis has consistently said with his words that, like – 
he really enjoys being a Laker. And most people who are Lakers say that, right? And if you get to be the starting point guard for the Los Angeles Lakers, that's sort of a prestige title, right? It's like some important players in terms of the history of the league have been sort of that lead ball handler type guy for this organization, right? Going all the way back to, to Jerry West and Gail Goodrich to say nothing of Magic Johnson and Kobe Bryant to a certain extent and now LeBron James, right? And, and, and so carrying that mantle as a top player for the Los Angeles Lakers means something to a lot of players in this league. And I think it means something to Dennis as well. And he's consistently said that he wants to be here. Um, He's also said he wants the deal to be fair. And he said a lot of different things, right? I can take those comments at face value, just as I can back up your point 1000%, Pete, that at the most core level, at the most basic level, you do have to go out there and perform. And this was a really rough series for Dennis Schroeder, I thought. Before we started recording, Pete, you and I were talking a little bit about how in the moment you thought that his game two and game three performances when he was slotted more correctly, right? When AD right, he's was a number really three. Play, yeah. when, he was, when AD was playing his best basketball and then you have LeBron just being out on the court and, and looking semi-like LeBron, right? Or mostly like like LeBron. I I think when we do our post-mortem about the team, I think we'll talk more about LeBron and the level sure. he was actually at this series, mm-hmm. right? Counting stats versus some of the possession-to-possession decisions that he was making that don't quite align with what we know LeBron to be as a player, but that's a topic for a different day. So Dennis had some good moments, but in the moments where he was sort of thrust into a bigger role, I thought he really struggled. And it wasn't until the second half where things were, where he was put in a better position for his specific skill set, did he really start to play better. And that sounds like a role player to me rather than a top flight player, right? Because the top flight players, those guys make lemonade out of lemons. They're not the guys who have to have a bunch of things catered to them in a very specific way for them to find their game. And so on a lot of levels, I was disappointed with Dennis this playoff series because I thought he ran a little bit too hot and cold from that competitive fire perspective and the level that he played with in game six in the second half of the game that was a level the Lakers needed in game four and in game five where he was basically a no-show to me so this is uh and by the way guys if you're you're hopefully you're not hearing this too loudly but they're basically breaking staples center down in the background so you may hear some banging um i apologize i don't think even the great pete um can edit that kind of stuff out so hopefully you can hear oh, me I, fine i'm not um, that's genie you know that's genie yeah um shout out to genie so let me kind of use the shooter point to talk about the roster uh, in a sense and i even want to kind of bring last year into it and hopefully this is not too you know too far out of off base here. 
last season, I thought that Rondo was really the one guy uh, who could, in in the time of need, he could call upon that next level um, of uh, in not being a role player as much as kind of taking over an offense or taking over a team. And, you know, cause he's done that before and, and he's got it in him in pockets. And so he did that. And the Lakers didn't like, I don't know if they 100% needed it. Like maybe they, it would have taken them. They could have gone a little bit deeper in some series if they didn't have it. They, I think they still probably won the title. Um, but like that was, that was there from Rondo and there wasn't a guy on this year's roster that did that almost period. And we, we kind of, I think expected Schroeder uh, based on whether, whether it's salary slot or, or role or starting point, we kind of expected Schroeder to be the guy that did that last year. People expected Kuzma uh, to do it in certain times, like to kind of be that third guy. But in a, in a team that has stars of the level of LeBron and AD, where they're both really number ones, like they're both really number ones in that context. I just think that it's, it's, it's really difficult to to get more from a guy um then and i thought dennis when he was slotted in darius's terminology to start the season is that as the kind of uh, sometimes the third guy in offense but always there defensively like he was pretty consistently good. that was it he, that and, was it man that was but, the guy that we needed yeah well, and, and but that guy like so i thought that he was that he was that in this series to an extent um, in the, when AD was playing more like AD games two and three, he had 20 points in each. Didn't have a bunch of turnovers. He, like he was, he was pretty good. Um, he wasn't at the same level defensively. Like I, again, I thought the second absence health and safety, he hasn't been the same yeah. since then. All right. But, yeah. but like my point being, if he is properly slotted, he's a pretty good player. But what we saw in this playoff series that if, if he's not the guy, like when everything else is struggling, he, you know, he's, he's not, whether it's big enough physically or the skill set the shooting isn't quite good enough the finishing over traffic isn't quite he's not there to be able to elevate to that level and and so i don't hold that necessarily as a as a big like i'm not all mad at him about that um i don't know if they had anybody else on the roster who who did that who really stepped up this postseason in some big way um when lebron clearly wasn't 100 and when ad was not even close to that so i just i find myself almost uh, having being a little bit more defensive of the of the of the series more just more thinking big picture but you're not wrong um i i just i wanted to kind of make that point that i, I thought it goes back a little bit deeper and, it, and it's a question now that has to be answered and we'll spend a lot of time i know on this in this offseason as to how that he how the roster would be shaped next season considering what we learned from this postseason and this season for sure <clears throat> i just think it's a tricky situation because the there was so much going on with Dennis this year. The push for a new contract, the contract negotiations that were a bit more public than I would have liked them to be. Um, he was then on rumored to be part of a trade package that did not go down. Um, he found himself in COVID pro protocols twice during the season. And, and so... Taken on the whole, I thought Dennis had a good year. I thought that there were times where he was much better than good. Like he had some really great flashes as just a dynamic offensive talent who just competed his tail off defensively. And I think 
for me, Mike, the reason why I use the word disappointed is because understanding that that level is in him and then in a playoff environment where you need guys of his talent level who are in the lineup the way that he is to approach that level more closely. And he's not injured. He didn't come off a high ankle sprain. He didn't hyperextend his knee or, you, and, you and, know, pull his growing. And that's why the... That's why the defensive stuff is what stands out to me with him. There are reasons for him to not be productive offensively, both in terms of AD being out and him being more in the center of the frame and the center of the defense's attention, the center of the defense's attention. DeAndre Ayton gave him a lot of problems in this series. And it got him to the point where because he has such a slow load on his jump shot that he needs a certain amount of space that Ayton can can close quickly that Dennis was just passing up a lot of these shots. And and so offensively, I understood his struggles uh, when he had them. And I understood why he thrived when, when he didn't, right? That was when he was properly slotted in next to LeBron and AD. And he was that that small blade that, you know, stabs you in the ribs from the side that you didn't see coming. But the defensive end, man, with Booker and campaign in particular, we needed another guard in this series that was like a really kick-ass, tenacious, I'm going to fight over every screen, I'm going to get belly up on you, I'm going to beat you to your spot, I'm going to slide my feet, and all of that. I was so impressed with his defense earlier in the season, and even with the offensive struggles, and and maybe... Like you said, Mike, the he wasn't the same since the health and safety protocols, the second one. I would argue it was a little before that, uh, defensively in particular. But that if you're going to be a third guy next to LeBron and AD and making that type of money, the defensive end is something that that needs to be there every game. It, that it, needs yes. to be the one thing. You know it, what I'm saying? It, yes. 100%. And he wasn't, right? He wasn't as good as we've seen him be. And my like my understanding of it from listening to him talk and from kind of hearing Vogel talk about him and just watching him is that he missed the first two weeks in May. Um, he played two meaningless games at Indy and at New Orleans, which were barely NBA basketball games. And then right. game one at Phoenix was crazy intense. I, I talked to a couple of people today here that were there and they were like, dude, like it was, you know, that building. And so he just, I, I think it was, the, the level of defense that he plays requires you to be in the peak of NBA basketball player shape, not just the peak of your own shape, like better. Sh- mm-hmm. and, and, and that's where he, that's what I thought he lost by the time that he missed in May. I'm a little bit combined with the time, kind of the interruption from February, March. And he just like, he wasn't at level 10. He may have been like, he got tonight. He was a little bit more as we're recording. Like he was, the defense was, he was picking up full court. That was a little bit more like the Dennis, uh, shooter and so i'm while while acknowledging that he that he was kind of the piece and i said this before this game like he's the guy that they absolutely have to have to play better because he's got more talent um i just i thought that it i think it's a little you know, we have to we have to contextualize that there's a reason why probably he didn't look like himself and that that's an important question for the lakers by the way to try and answer in the offseason um as they as they try to think about building the team for next season i think that's true for a lot of guys Right now, too, the Lakers have eight free agents on their roster going into this offseason. Yeah, how do you feel about the future of this team? I mean, good. I, I mean, to channel my inner mic here, they have LeBron and Anthony Davis. That's right. Right. I think probably twenty nine other GMs 
would trade places with the Lakers right now or or 28, right? Maybe not Sean Marks. He's probably feeling pretty good in uh, Brooklyn with his three stars. There's not a lot of guys out there where you would say like, okay, yeah, well, you mean I get to build a team that already has LeBron James and Anthony Davis on it? Like you're spotting me those two guys? I had talked about before game, game six, that there were a lot of paths for the Suns to win this game and not a lot of paths for the Lakers, right? Well, if you're a GM and you give me LeBron James and, and Anthony Davis, I'll say there's a lot of paths I have to build a really good basketball team. And absent of those guys, there's probably fewer paths that that exist to building a championship contender, right? And, and so the future stuff, I think a lot of that stuff will will work itself out. I'm I'm much more interested in how much value is striking that balance. And I think that you alluded to this earlier in the pod, Pete, where you said that there are many lessons to be learned from this season that defaulting only to, oh, well, we were just hurt the entire season and it was the COVID season and, and the short off season and all of these things conspired and all of that's true. And I think that that needs to be weighted properly right the 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 counter to that weight is stuff like okay well yeah so what happened to Kyle Kuzma this series yeah man like, like I, I, I feel good. bad about us like singling out Dennis yeah earlier. yeah yeah like right. I, I don't want to do that there were several guys in like Kuzman yeah like what like what happened to Kyle Kuzma what happened to what happened to like even a guy like Trez right he clearly fell out of favor in terms of the lineup because of the other big men that were on the roster and a bunch of other things. And Vogel went to him in, in game six and I thought Trez was okay. Right. Trez was fine when he played in this series. He was caught in a numbers game. As soon as we signed Drummond, it was always going to be a game of musical chairs where there was one really good player that was going to be getting DNPs. And we saw that I, I, I don't know if you saw Drummond's because Drummond got a DNP in game six. And yeah. I don't know if you saw his tweet expressing some, you know, uh, some it's obviously in reference to what we ended up seeing. And I, I told somebody, I was like, we managed to piss off all three of our bigs this year. Yeah. Right? Like at some point, Drummond, Mark and Trez were all annoyed with their playing time. And that was because it was that numbers game where, of course, a really good player is going to be saying what I'm not going to play. I'm not going to play in this game. Are you kidding? And yeah, that that was detrimental. But I, it wasn't like Trez didn't do anything wrong. Right. No, no. And, and I don't want to single out Trez as playing poorly because I don't necessarily think that he played poorly. We know Trez has strengths and we know that he has weaknesses. And I thought that. His strengths showed up um, in matchups that were even or advantageous to him. I don't think him playing against Aiton is an advantageous or or even matchup. Aiton's the exact type of player who can give Trez issues, whereas guys like Saric and Kaminsky are guys that Trez is going to do well against. And so it doesn't surprise me that Trez's minutes, when matched up, in these specific matchups, there were times where it's just like, yeah, he mostly played fine. Most of his minutes came against the guy who's not going to give him a bunch of problems, right? But I look at, you, you know, KCP shooting funk sort of coming at the most inopportune time. Um, Dennis's level of play. Um, THT sort of 
making the types of mistakes that were palpable enough during the regular season, but but sort of kill you in the playoffs, right? And those persisting in the even in the short stretches that he got in in this series. So there are a lot of questions to be answered about this team and things that that how much value is being placed on all of this stuff and how much is being forgiven and how much is maybe being um, accentuated by the decision makers, right? And, and these are things that we won't necessarily have the answers to now or maybe even anytime soon, but I think we will start to know when the real offseason hits and some of these decisions are being made, particularly because there are so many decisions to be made, even around guys like Keith and other sort of minimum salaried guys who the Lakers are going to need to fill out their roster with guys just like that and the decision-making around the guys they already have and what they learned or maybe knew already about some, some of these guys and based off of how they played in this sun series, it's going to be an interesting off season. And that is going to influence how I feel about the Lakers big picture in terms of their future. Right. Because when you get into the specifics, that stuff does influence things. But I mean, with LeBron and AD, the foundation is there for them to still be a contender moving forward, of course. Pete, I'm going to get back to that last point that Darius made and kind of your question about the offseason and, and uh, all that kind of stuff. Just to put a quick bow, though, on, on something Darius just said, a lot, of the, a lot of those factors to me are all built upon each other. And if a, so if, if Shooter is playing it a certain way, then that's going to impact Kuzma and that's going to impact... Carol and, and like all of this stuff to me has just been kind of a collective um, level of mental fatigue. Uh, that's also the physical, the physical stuff has played out too, but Phoenix is kind of the inverse right now. And whereas, you know, when you, when you have guys that are the opposite of that, Chris Paul, desperate and hungry, mm-hmm. Devin Booker, desperate and hungry, all of a sudden Mikhail Bridges and Jay Crowder. And the, like those guys can just kind of Cam Johnson, they can walk into and hit those open threes carefree. You know, like it's well, a, and they've got continuity too, right? Yeah. Like they missed so few games. It's they were on the other end of the spectrum in that respect. Yeah. Too. And so the Lakers, like they tried, they really, they did try to kind of change that, but you could just see how connected all of those things were um, once the mm-hmm. AD thing happened. So, and then Pete, the, the real person to kind of answer your question about, about uh, the off season, et cetera, was LeBron. Like LeBron got asked that question um, a couple of moments ago and he, he said this, um, Rob has done such a great job of constructing this team that he'll continue to do that. I will have some input. AD will have some input. I trust Rob. Then he went on to say that the most important thing is getting his ankle hundred percent. And he will, uh, he will, he will look forward to having a full off season. The rest of his body feels great. And then he talked about AD. And from that point on, he said, so we always want to add talent. And, and that's something that he thinks Rob in his multiple lists, right. And stuff that he probably already has all of his documents, however, he keeps that together. And they kind of, that's that part of the process goes back to Darius's point about starting with LeBron and AD uh, locked in. You don't have any bad contracts that you have to trade future draft picks to shed. You know, you do have the 22nd overall pick uh, in this year's draft, which, you know, Jesse bus crushes it even when you get down to like 27, right? 30, 
46, which was, you know, that's THT, that's Coos, that's Nance, uh, Clarkson's also 46. Like all, so that's a, that's a range where um, they can add a piece for sure. And, and then, you know, they, I still think they'll have the opportunity to get this year's version, um, whether it's them th- themselves or not, like Matthews and Gasol, those type of guys where it's still, now there are com- a couple other teams that are going to be competing there. We know that Brooklyn um, certainly appears to be one of them, maybe Milwaukee, but I do think that it's still a destination in that context. Um, and so I, that part of it, Pete, to me is a, is a, is all a good conversation. Like that's all about opportunity and there, there have to be some captain gymnastics certainly, um, that play into it, but they seem like they're, they're going to be pretty good, um, on that end provided LeBron AD full off season, get healthy. Yeah. I think there's a promising landscape for us as challenging as going into this season was with the short turnaround. I think that all of what you said in terms of the flexibility that we have and some of the uh, and the ability to to acquire talent, right, to get the ingredients to be what we want to be. I think that that along with we're going to have a long offseason, they're going to be able to have a players camp in again in Vegas if they want and start to build that connective tissue that really exists on good teams that we were never able to establish this year. And that's my final thoughts about at least tonight. Right. Well, get more in depth as time goes by, but I'll always be wistful about the 2021 Lakers. I really wish we would have gotten a chance. And LeBron spoke to this too, Mike would have gotten a chance to see our full team with a few weeks of playing together. When the defender ices it here and he's too far top side, you like to snake it or do you like to go baseline with your drive? There's all these little conversations and these little moments in basketball that make it so wonderful, but also so complex. And you have to have a certain amount of time to solve the puzzle that we never got. And I'm always going to be really wistful about that with this team. That said, I do think that we are set up well for this next season. And I think that we've got a good shot at a redemption year. As for the pod, we're going to take a week off and then we're going to get back to it. And we're going to keep up with uh, a, a pretty good pace of episodes. We're going to keep coming out with episodes on a regular basis. So yeah, everybody enjoy your week. Hang in there. This was a really tough season, but we've got opportunities ahead. And I'm excited about the future of the Lakers, even though this season was obviously disappointing. So we'll be there to cover it all. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Rebound is Lonnie. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Good. Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's Let's the move. Go. Two, Let's go. one, Missing. it. Brian. Unbelievable. For the victory. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Brian. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. And it's a 
the injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.